Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Most urban legends are just that. Some are rooted in deeper, darker truths. Redwood Bureau Phenomenon 1024, or the Boogeyman, is referenced as far back as the 1800s. Although the Bureau's historical research department has uncovered written accounts matching RBP 1024 that date back much further. While these accounts can't exactly be verified, they have come from cultures in different parts of the world that had no contact with each other at those time periods. The evidence was strong enough for the Bureau to begin tracking this entity. That ongoing investigation eventually led to a police report, which led to Tyler Dembski, who the Bureau has been surveilling for the past year. The twisted symbol etched into the cabin wall still haunts my waking hours. A grim reminder of the sinister forces that lurk within those quiet mountains. I beg each and every one of you, heed my warning. Beware the Awaker. Nancy giggled in the passenger seat, her hand finding its way to my knee as I navigated the winding mountain roads. I can't believe we're actually married, she said, eyes sparkling in the dimming light. And on our way to a romantic honeymoon. I smiled, covering her hand with my own. The thick canopy of pine trees overhead blocked out the last remaining hints of sunset, shrouding the world in an eerie twilight. An owl hooted softly in the distance. It's perfect. I said, though a strange chill had settled in my bones. The dense forest seemed to close in around us, branches reaching out like gnarled fingers in the dark. I shook off the feeling, focusing on Nancy's radiant smile instead. By the time we arrived at the resort, night had fully fallen. A single light flickered at the front desk, manned by an elderly attendant who grunted a greeting through a haze of cigar smoke. He slid a heavy iron key across the counter without looking up from his newspaper. Cabin 12, down the path. Last one on the left. Nancy snatched up the key, tugging at my sleeve. Come on, let's go see. The wooden cabins were arranged in a circle around a large clearing, connected by a narrow dirt path. An owl hooted again in the distance, closer now. The thick forest loomed at the edge of the clearing, shadows shifting and writhing in the pale moonlight. A strange, unpleasant odor seemed to hang in the air. The musky scent of rot and decay. I wrinkled my nose, quickening my pace to catch up with Nancy. She was already unlocking the door to cabin 12, which creaked open to reveal a cozy interior, dimly lit by a fireplace and a few oil lamps. It's perfect, Nancy breathed, eyes shining with delight. Just like a romantic movie. I managed a weak smile, stomach churning at the unpleasant scent that seemed to have followed us inside. Just like a movie, I echoed hollowly peering out the window at the encroaching forest, waiting, watching, hungering. Nancy took a shower and later emerged, hair damp and skin flushed from the hot water. She rummaged through her suitcase, humming softly under her breath as she searched for something comfortable to wear. I lay on my back, gazing up at the wooden beams crisscrossing the ceiling. My eyes wandered to the wall behind the headboard, noticing a strange symbol etched into the wood. It was crudely drawn, as though by a child's unsteady hand. A circle with eight spindly lines radiating from it, 
like a many-legged star. In the center was a single eye, stitched tightly shut with a series of X's. An odd choice of decoration. I frowned, sitting up to get a better look. It seemed oddly out of place in the cozy rustic cabin. Some vandal with a sick sense of humor? A cold finger of dread trailed down my spine. I shook my head, laughing at myself. <laughs> it was probably just the work of a bored teenager with a pocket knife, passing the time while their family vacationed at the resort. Nothing to worry about. Just then, there was a sharp knock at the cabin door, startling me from my thoughts. Nancy peered out from the bathroom, clutching a fluffy white towel around herself. Are you expecting someone? She asked with a note of concern, eyes flickering to the window. No, not at all. I stood up, pulse quickening. Who would be here? Especially this late. The knock came again more insistent. Hello? Is anyone there? A man's gravelly voice, tinged with impatience. I strode across the room and pulled open the door to find an older couple on the doorstep, clutching a bottle of red wine. Terribly sorry to disturb you, the man said with an apologetic smile. We're staying in cabin 11, next door. Thought we'd stop by to welcome you. I'm Greg, and this is my wife, Dorothy. Dorothy waved, offering an embarrassed smile. We seem to have purchased too much wine for the two of us. We were hoping you'd like to help us finish the bottle. Nancy emerged from the bedroom, now dressed in a soft sweater and jeans. Her eyes lit up at the sight of the wine. She was always the social butterfly, delighted at the prospect of making new friends. I hesitated but found myself ushering Greg and Dorothy inside. Perhaps a drink and some pleasant conversation would help calm my fraying nerves after the long drive up the mountain, and help me forget about the strange symbol etched into the wall, like a twisted star, watching and waiting with its one stitched eye. We settled into plush armchairs around the fireplace, the crackling flames casting a warm glow over our faces. Dorothy poured generous glasses of wine and passed them around. Thank you for inviting us in, she said. The truth is, we were hoping to make your acquaintance. Not many young couples honeymooning up here, you see. Nancy's eyes widened. How did you know we were on our honeymoon? Greg chuckled. <laughs> well, my dear... The way you two can't keep your eyes off each other, even now. Not to mention the rather long kiss we witnessed on our way into the cabin. He winked conspiratorially at me. I shifted in my seat, a flush creeping up my neck. We've been celebrating our anniversary here every year, Dorothy said. Thought we might pass along some recommendations for trails and activities. If you're interested, that is. We'd love to hear them, Nancy said. Wouldn't we, sweetheart? She placed her hand on my knee, giving it a gentle squeeze. I nodded and managed to smile. Wonderful, Greg said. Now, I must warn you, some of the old trails can be quite tricky to navigate. Especially for novice hikers. You'll want to stick to the more well-traveled paths until you get your bearings. Not to mention some of the local legends, Dorothy added. The mountains here are steeped in folklore and mysteries. Some best left undiscovered. A chill ran down my spine at her words. My thoughts slid to the symbol on the wall, seeming to hide in the shadows. What other mysteries lurked within these quiet woods waiting to be unearthed? I took a large swallow of wine, eager to chase away the unease creeping into my thoughts. The honeymoon was supposed to be an escape from stress, not a descent into some urban legend-fueled nightmare. What kind of local legends? 
Nancy asked, eyes gleaming with curiosity. I squeezed her hand in warning, but it was too late. Dorothy's face lit up, and Greg leaned forward, lowering his voice. Have you heard the tale of the Awaker, my dear? He asked. A terrifying creature said to haunt these very mountains. Nancy's eyes widened, her hand tightening around mine. I sighed inwardly, cursing my wife's curiosity. Once Greg started spinning his yarns, there'd be no escaping until the tale was told. The Awaker is a pale, thin figure that visits you in the dead of night, Greg continued, his voice dropping to a dramatic whisper. It creeps in your room while you sleep and stands at the foot of your bed, watching and waiting. If you wake and see it there, you must not speak to it. Any noise will anger the Awaker and make it attack. He paused for effect, pale eyes glinting in the firelight. A log cracked loudly, making Nancy jump. My heart pounded as I struggled to maintain a mask of calm skepticism. The story was nonsense, a campfire tale told to frighten tourists and children. Yet my gaze kept straying to the shadows surrounding us, searching for any signs of movement. If you stay silent, the Awaker will soon leave you in peace, Greg said. But if you dare utter a single word to it, it will drag you into the night, into the woods, where you will disappear without a trace, never to be seen again. Legend has it that the Awaker collects tributes every few years to satisfy its hunger. What nonsense! I scoffed, squeezing Nancy's hand again. Her palm felt icy in mine. You'll have to do better than that to scare us, Greg. Is that so? Greg's eyes glinted with amusement. Then I wish you a peaceful night's sleep. Just remember, if you wake and see something standing at the foot of your bed, not a sound. Dorothy sighed, placing a hand on her husband's arm. That's enough of your spooky stories, dear. You'll frighten our guests. My apologies. Greg said, though his tone suggested otherwise. We should be heading back now. Enjoy the rest of your evening. After bidding us a hasty farewell, Greg and Dorothy disappeared into the night. An uneasy silence fell over the cabin, broken only by the crackling fire. Nancy shivered, drawing closer to my side. What a terrible story. I'll never get to sleep now. It was just a silly legend, meant to spook gullible tourists, I said, hoping to reassure her. But the image of something pale and emaciated, standing at the foot of our bed, refused to leave my mind. Greg's parting words echoed in my memory. A warning and a threat. Not a sound. I pulled Nancy into my arms, feeling her body trembling against mine. Let's forget about Greg's ghost story. We're here to enjoy our honeymoon, remember? Nancy looked up at me, her blue eyes shining with held back tears. I know, I'm being silly, but Tyler, what if there is something out there? We're really far in the mountains. Shh, don't think about that now. I whispered, stroking her hair. We're safe here, together. Still, an uneasy feeling gnawed at my insides. I glanced around the rustic cabin, noticing for the first time how isolated we were, miles from actual civilization. The dense forest crowded close outside, shrouded in darkness. Anything could be lurking out there, watching, waiting. I shook off the thought and guided Nancy toward the bedroom, undressing her with trembling fingers. Her soft skin and warmth helped banish the chill that had settled into my bones. We slid under the covers of the bed, clinging to one another in the dark.
Sometime later, I awoke, restless and disoriented. The fire had died down to embers, casting a dim glow over the cabin. Everything was still and silent, too silent. I blinked and peered into the darkness, my heart pounding. There, in the shadows at the foot of the bed, stood a pale figure, a pair of hollow eyes reflecting the dying firelight, gazing straight at me. I opened my mouth, a scream rising in my throat, then, remembering Greg's warning, not a sound. The figure took a rattling step forward. I lay frozen in place, cold terror flooding my veins as it reached out a skeletal hand toward the bed, toward Nancy. I had to warn her, but if I made a sound... All I could do was watch, helpless, as it crept closer and closer, hunger emanating from its gnarled form like a physical force. My wife, my Nancy, oblivious in my arms. The creature loomed at the edge of the bed, bending down to grasp her shoulder with needle-sharp claws, its face a skullish mockery of human features, inched closer to hers. Wheezing breath rattling from between jagged teeth. Closer. Any second now, it would drag Nancy into the depths of the forest. Gone forever. I braced myself as the creature opened its maw in a gruesome parody of a smile. Then... Sunlight streamed through the cabin windows, and I blinked awake, disoriented. It had all just been a bad dream. I turned to find Nancy curled against me, safe and warm. Nothing but fading shadows lingered at the foot of the bed. No creature in sight. But in my memory, the hollow eyes still gazed back at me, a silent promise. It would come again. Warning, signal interruption detected. This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the U.S. Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode in Falconer, New York, deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate, with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry, while Steve separately researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in, or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Signal connection restored. The morning sun was just beginning to peak over the horizon as Nancy and I set out on the nature tour. We eagerly joined a small group of other tourists, 
all bundled up in winter gear, excited to explore the beauty of the wilderness. The fresh air invigorated me as we followed the trail, our boots crunching in the snow. Nancy's eyes sparkled with wonder as she marveled at the animals we encountered. Squirrels skittering up trees and birds soaring overhead. Isn't it incredible, Tyler? She asked, her cheeks flushed with excitement. I've never seen so many different animals in one place. I couldn't help but smile at her enthusiasm. It's amazing, love. I'm glad we're experiencing this together. As we continued along the path, our guide led us to a breathtaking sight. A half-frozen waterfall, its powerful cascade still flowing beneath a thick layer of ice. The sunlight danced off the crystalline surface, casting an ethereal glow across the landscape. Wow! I breathed, unable to tear my gaze away from the mesmerizing scene. Nancy squeezed my hand sharing in my awe. After admiring the waterfall for a while, our guide ushered us onward, promising that the next stop would be even more impressive. The feeding ground for elk. I hung back a bit, wanting to absorb every detail of our surroundings. And that's when I noticed it. A strange carving etched into the bark of a nearby tree. It bore a striking resemblance to the one I had discovered behind the headboard the night before. Hey, Nancy, look at this, I said, motioning for her to join me. As we examined the symbol, I spotted another one further off the path, then another, and another. Each carving seemed closer in similarity to the one from the cabin, subtly beckoning me to follow their trail. Tyler, the group is getting ahead. Nancy warned, her voice tinged with unease. I don't think we should stray from the path. Go on without me, I insisted. My curiosity peaked. I'll catch up in a minute. She hesitated for a moment before reluctantly agreeing, hurrying to rejoin the others. I ventured off the trail, following the eerie carvings deeper into the woods. The air grew colder and the branches overhead blotted out the sun, casting sinister shadows across the snow. My heart pounded in my chest as I approached a tree that bore a symbol identical to the one behind our headboard. A chill ran down my spine, and I couldn't shake the feeling that something malevolent was watching me. Interesting, isn't it? A voice said, suddenly from behind me, making me jump. I spun around to find our tour guide standing there, his eyes fixed on the carving. What do you make of it? Uh, I, I'm not sure, I stammered, trying to regain my composure. It looks old, though. He nodded thoughtfully, but said nothing for the moment, leaving me with a lingering sense of unease. What does it mean? I rubbed at the carving on the tree, my fingers trembling slightly. The tour guide stepped closer, examining it thoroughly, his brow furrowed in concentration. He then looked around, noticing the numerous iterations of the same carving on other trees. Oh, I remember now. It's an old Native American symbol, he explained, rubbing his chin thoughtfully. It looks like an eye sealed shut. An eye? I asked curiosity mounting despite my unease. Yes, the guide continued. It can also be interpreted as a sealed mouth. The symbol means, don't look, don't speak. He traced the lines of the carving with his gloved hand, seemingly fascinated by the ancient artwork. My heart thudded painfully in my chest as the story of the Awaker flooded back into my mind. Could there be a connection between this symbol and that horrifying tale? Have you ever heard of a local legend called the Awaker? I asked, trying to keep my voice steady. About an entity that appears at your bedside at night. The tour guide looked at me, confusion etched across his weathered face. He laughed, shaking his head, 
<laughs> no, never heard of such a thing. Sounds like a good campfire story, though. His laughter echoed through the silent woods, sending shivers down my spine. I forced a chuckle in response, but my thoughts were far from amused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the symbols, the story, the unsettling feeling that something was lurking just out of sight. It all seemed to be connected in some way. But how? And why did I feel so drawn to it? Let's get back to the group. And the tour guide suggested, clapping me on the shoulder. Don't want to fall too far behind, do we? Right, I agreed, my voice barely above a whisper. As we made our way back to the path, I couldn't shake the feeling that the woods were watching me, waiting for something. Every rustle of leaves or snap of twigs made me flinch, and I found myself constantly glancing over my shoulder, as if expecting the Awaker to materialize out of thin air. But it never did. Instead, the silent, empty forest bore witness to my growing fears, its secrets hidden behind a veil of darkness and ancient symbols. And as the tour continued, I struggled to focus on the beauty of the landscape, my mind consumed by the haunting legend and the enigmatic carvings that seemed to be a warning. A warning I couldn't help but feel was meant for me. As Nancy and I walked hand in hand down the wooded path back to our cabin, our breaths visible in the crisp air, I recalled the majesty of the elk we had seen during the tour. Their sheer size and grace had left an impression on both of us. Can you believe how big they were? Nancy asked, her eyes wide with wonder. And so close! I never imagined I'd see one in person. Neither did I, I admitted, smiling at her enthusiasm. But even as we continued to discuss the beauty of our surroundings, my thoughts kept drifting back to the mysterious symbols. To the story of the Awaker. Despite the tour guide's dismissal, I couldn't shake the eerie feeling that there was somehow a connection to the story and those carvings. Tyler? Nancy's voice broke through my reverie. You've been awfully quiet. Are you still thinking about those carvings? I hesitated before answering, not wanting to worry her. Maybe a little, I confessed. But it's probably just some old folktale Greg made up to scare us, right? Probably. She agreed. Though I could tell she wasn't entirely convinced either. We let the subject drop, focusing instead on enjoying the remainder of our honeymoon week nestled in the picturesque wilderness. The final night of our stay arrived all too quickly. Nancy lay sleeping beside me her chest rising and falling rhythmically beneath the soft covers. My mind, however, refused to let me rest. The haunting images of the symbols and the lingering dread of the Awaker plagued my thoughts, leaving me wide awake in the darkened cabin. Suddenly, a blood-curdling scream tore through the night, shattering the silence like glass. It sounded feminine and full of terror, as if someone was being brutally murdered. Nancy jolted upright in bed, her grip tightening around my arm. Tyler? What was that? She whispered, her voice trembling. I don't know, I replied, my heart pounding in my chest, but I need to go check it out. Without waiting for a response, I threw on some clothes and rushed outside the cold air biting into my skin as another scream echoed through the night. <coughs> Determined to find the source, I sprinted towards the neighboring cabin, roughly 40 yards away from ours. As I ran, my mind raced with possibilities. An animal attack, an intruder, or perhaps something even more sinister. 
My fear and concern for our neighbors fueled my adrenaline, pushing me onward despite the chill of night and the haunting memories of the Awaker. As I approached the neighboring cabin, my heart raced with a growing sense of dread. The moon cast an eerie glow upon the scene before me, illuminating the fractured glass of a broken window. As I rounded the corner of the cabin, I found Greg kneeling on the back deck, staring blankly into the dark abyss of the woods beyond. Greg, I called out tentatively, but he did not acknowledge my presence. His eyes were wide with terror, his body trembling uncontrollably. What happened? Where's Dorothy? Tucker, he muttered, barely audible. Greg repeated the phrase like a mantra, as if clinging to the words might somehow bring his wife back to him. Tucker, Tucker, Tucker. My chest Tucker. tightened Tucker. at the heartbreaking Tucker. sight. Tucker, this Tucker. was a man who just lost everything. Who took her, Greg? What happened? I implored, but he offered no further explanation. With a heavy sigh, I pulled out my phone and dialed 911, praying that help would arrive in time. 911, what's your emergency? The following morning, Nancy and I drove home in silence. The events of the previous night weighed heavily upon us both, casting a pall over what should have been the final joyous hours of our honeymoon. My exhaustion was palpable. Sleep had eluded me as I'd tossed and turned, haunted by the chilling screams that echoed through my thoughts. Tyler, what do you think happened? Nancy finally asked, breaking the silence that enveloped us. The police believe it was a wild animal that took Dorothy. I replied, my voice wavering from lack of rest. They said as long as they don't find her body... There's still a chance she's alive out there, somewhere. Alive? Nancy's tone was incredulous. But what kind of animal in Colorado would break a window just to get inside? I hesitated, recalling the shattered remains of the window at Greg and Dorothy's cabin. The memory sent a shiver down my spine, and I found myself unable to answer her question. Instead... I focused on another unsettling detail that had gnawed at me since last night. From what I saw, I began slowly, my hands gripping the steering wheel tightly, as if it could somehow anchor me in reality. The glass was broken from the inside. Whatever took Dorothy was already in their cabin. Nancy stared at me her eyes wide with a mixture of shock and fear. For a moment, neither of us spoke. The implications of my revelation hung heavy in the air, mingling with the lingering specter of the Awaker legend. As we continued our journey home, I couldn't help but wonder if the horror we'd left behind was truly over. Or if the nightmare had only just begun. Warning, signal interruption detected. Signal connection restored. The dim light of the gas station flickered as I filled up our car's tank. The chill in the air seeped through my thin jacket, sending shivers down my spine. Nancy leaned against the passenger door, her breath fogging up the window as she watched me. Hey, do you mind driving for a bit? I asked, trying to rub some warmth back into my hands. I could really use a nap. Sure thing. She replied with a smile, her green eyes still clouded with concern over what had transpired at the resort. She quickly slid over to the driver's side while I climbed into the passenger seat, pulling my jacket tighter around me. As we pulled away from the gas station, the road ahead stretched out before us 
seemingly endless. My eyelids grew heavy, and soon I was fast asleep. In my dream, I found myself back at the cabin. The wind howled outside, rattling the windows as if trying to claw its way in. As I stood there, feeling the familiar creak of the wooden floor beneath my feet, I heard it. A voice calling out to me, barely audible at first, but growing louder with each passing moment. It whispered, its voice like ice on my skin. Drawn towards the sound, I moved across the room and threw open the window. The cold night air rushed in, bringing with it the voice that now echoed through my very being. My heart raced as I stared out into the darkness, trying to discern the origin of the voice. And then, just as the words reached my ears, I felt it. A pale, skinny hand gripping my wrist with surprising strength. It yanked me forward, and I gasped in terror as I was suddenly ripped from the cabin and plunged into the icy, dark void. My eyes snapped open, and I found myself back in the car, my heart pounding wildly in my chest. Nancy glanced over at me, her eyes wide with concern. Tyler, are you okay? She asked, her voice soft and soothing. I gulped down a breath, trying to calm myself as I looked around, the familiar surroundings of the car providing some small comfort. It had been just a dream, a nightmare brought on by the events that had occurred at the resort. And yet... The chill still clung to my bones, and I couldn't shake the feeling that something was terribly wrong. Nancy's warm hand found mine, her fingers gently intertwining with my own. It's okay, Tyler, she murmured, comforting me. You were having a nightmare. You kept saying no over and over. Sorry, I mumbled, still feeling the lingering dread from the dream. How long was I out? About two hours, she replied, never taking her eyes off the road. I leaned my head against the cold window, letting the chill seep into my skin in an attempt to dispel the remnants of my terrifying dream. The Colorado back road stretched before us like a desolate ribbon, its cracked asphalt disappearing beneath a soft blanket of snow. The skeletal trees that lined the road reached for the heavy sky, their gnarled branches weighed down by the ever-increasing snowfall. The world outside the car felt muted and menacing. The oppressive silence interrupted only by the faint crunch of snow beneath our tires. Nancy continued to drive, her knuckles white on the steering wheel. We sat in silence for a while each lost in our own thoughts, or perhaps our nightmares. I could feel the weight of the unspoken fears that hung between us, a palpable presence invading the small space of our car. Finally, Nancy spoke up, her voice barely audible above the hum of the engine. Tyler, I've been having nightmares too. She hesitated as if searching for the right words. In mine, I'm in the woods, and there's something calling out to me, trying to get me to follow it. But I don't trust it. The voice feels wrong somehow. I swallowed hard, my throat suddenly dry as I considered her words. It seemed impossible, but there was no denying the eerie similarity between our dreams. It's... Probably just the stress from everything that happened back at the resort. I offered, trying to convince myself as much as Nancy. With Dorothy being taken into the woods and all, we just need to get home and unwind. Put some distance between us and that place. Nancy nodded, 
her gaze still fixed on the road ahead, but I could see the turmoil in her eyes, a reflection of my own fears. As we drove on through the increasingly heavy snowfall, the darkness outside seemed to close in around us, as if the world beyond our car was slowly fading away. The oppressive silence returned, leaving us with nothing but our thoughts and the suffocating weight of our shared terror. The snowfall intensified, its white veil obscuring the world outside our car. I couldn't help but feel that we were driving through some nightmare landscape, each flake seemingly intent on burying us alive. Nancy's knuckles whitened even more as she gripped the steering wheel tighter. Her eyes locked onto the narrow strip of road ahead, barely visible beneath the swirling snow. The headlights struggled to penetrate the thickening curtain of darkness, casting eerie shadows across the windshield. Tyler, this is getting really bad, Nancy said, her voice trembling with concern. I tried to offer a reassuring smile, but my heart raced to my chest. Just take it slow. We'll be okay. But as the words left my lips, a figure appeared at the edge of the headlight's reach. A pale, emaciated form, nude and gray-skinned, stood partially hidden in the falling snow as we passed it. My heart lurched in my chest before I could stop myself I gasped and instinctively grabbed Nancy's arm. <gasps> Jesus, Tyler! She cried out as the car swerved slightly, tires skidding on the slick surface beneath them. Sorry, sorry, I'm so sorry, I stammered, releasing her arm. There, there was, there was something out there. What? She slowed the car to a crawl, peering into the darkness beyond the windshield. Where? Over there, I said, pointing to the side of the road where I had seen the figure. But when we both looked again, it was gone. Are you sure you saw something? Nancy asked, her voice hesitant. Maybe it was just a trick of the light or something. You know, with the snow and all. My mind raced, struggling to process what I had witnessed. That gaunt form, so grotesque and unnatural. Could it have been just a figment of my imagination? I desperately wanted to believe that it was nothing more than a byproduct of our shared anxiety. But the image of that twisted figure haunted me. Maybe. I agreed half-heartedly. My voice barely audible above the howling wind outside. I guess we're both just a little on edge after everything that's happened. Nancy nodded, her gaze returning to the road as she pressed down on the accelerator. But despite our attempts to dismiss it, the encounter had left us both shaken, unable to shake off the creeping feeling that we were being watched by some malevolent force lurking just beyond the veil of snow. As the miles slipped by beneath our tires and the snow continued to fall, I couldn't help but scan the darkness outside for any sign of that terrible apparition. But there was only the endless dance of snowflakes, beautiful and treacherous in equal measure, obscuring the world around us, leaving us with nothing but our own fears and the growing dread that we were not alone. The tension in the car hung heavy as a shroud, suffocating us both. I could see the strain etched across Nancy's face as she drove. The snowfall had transformed into an unrelenting torrent, blurring the lines between earth and sky. The old Colorado back road twisted before us, a treacherous serpent of ice and darkness. Maybe we should have stayed at that last town, Nancy murmured her voice barely audible above the wind's howl. Uh, yeah, maybe, I agreed, struggling to keep my thoughts from spiraling back to the Awaker and those chilling symbols carved into the trees. 
A cold knot of dread coiled in my gut, whispering that we were being hunted by something far more sinister than our own imaginations. Tyler? Nancy's voice pulled me back to the present, her uncertainty mirrored in my own eyes. Stay focused on the road, I urged her, trying to sound more confident than I felt. We'll make it through this. As if spurred by my words, the car suddenly lurched sideways, tires losing grip on the slick surface beneath them. Nancy gasped, her hands frantically working the wheel as she fought to regain control. Turn into the skid, I yelled, my heart hammering in my chest. But it was too late. The car veered off the road with a sickening crunch, plowing headfirst into a snowbank. The impact slammed us both against our seatbelts, our breaths stolen by the force. I blinked away the stars dancing in my vision and turned to Nancy. Relief flooding through me as I saw her shake her head, dazed but unhurt. <clears throat> Are you okay? I croaked out, my throat tight with fear. Yeah. She stuttered, her wide eyes meeting mine. You... Fine, I replied, my hands shaking as the adrenaline coursed through me. Just, just shaken up. The wheels turned feebly, but the embankment had us captured. We were stranded, alone in the heart of a frozen hellscape, with only our own fears for company. Tyler? Nancy whispered, her voice trembling. Do you really think it was just your imagination? That thing you saw on the road? I swallowed hard, weighing my response. The truth was, I didn't know what to believe anymore. But I couldn't let her see how much that terrified me. Let's just focus on getting out of this mess, I said, forcing a thin smile. We can figure the rest out later. But deep down, I knew there would be no escape from the darkness that stalked us waiting for its moment to strike. Maybe we should try walking? Find a town or something? I suggested, my voice betraying a hint of desperation. Nancy nodded, her eyes brimming with unspoken fear. We gathered our belongings, wrapping ourselves in layers to shield against the biting cold that seeped through the car's frame. With a deep breath, we stepped out into the frozen wasteland. The snow was relentless, swirling around us like a living thing, the wind clawing at our faces as if trying to tear them away. Our footsteps crunched in the fresh powder, the only sound in an otherwise eerily silent world. As we trudged on, hopelessness beginning to gnaw at me, the seemingly endless expanse of white stretching out before us, offering no promise of sanctuary. Tyler? Nancy breathed, her voice barely audible over the howling wind. What is it? I asked, glancing at her worried expression. She didn't answer, instead pointing ahead into the forest. My heart seized in my chest as I followed her gaze, my blood turning to ice as I saw it. The pale, emaciated figure from the road. It stood there, naked amidst the snowfall, its gray skin nearly translucent against the white backdrop. Who is that? Nancy whispered, her voice trembling with terror. I couldn't answer, my throat tight with dread. The whispers returned then, this time surrounding us, as if carried by the very wind itself. They seemed to come from everywhere and nowhere all at once, a cacophony of voices that sent shivers down my spine. What do we do? Nancy pleaded, her eyes wide and frantic. I could see in her face that she was beginning to unravel, the stress of our ordeal threatening to push her over the edge. 
Stay close to me. I managed to choke out, my grip tightening on her hand. We can't let it get to us. We have to head back. The whispers grew louder, more insistent, like the hissing of a thousand serpents closing in on their prey. But I refused to let them consume us, steeling myself against the terror that clawed at my mind. Let's go. I sat through gritted teeth, pulling Nancy with me as we pushed onward. The unknown horrors of the forest looming ever closer. Hearts pounding, Nancy and I raced back to the car as the snow fell more heavily around us. The world seemed to close in, the white flakes swirling like a sinister dance of shadows. We scrambled inside the car, our breathing labored and shallow. What are we going to do? Nancy asked, her voice quivering. Best thing we can do right now is stay here, I replied, trying to steady my own voice. We'll keep warm with the heater. There's half a tank left. Hopefully someone will pass by. Nancy nodded, but I could see the fear etched into her face. As we hunkered down, we couldn't help but discuss how far off course our marriage had veered since the wedding. Our laughter was tinged with unease, but we tried to find humor in the strange and terrifying circumstances we found ourselves in. Maybe this is just a test. She joked weakly, forcing a smile. You know, for better or worse, and all that stuff. Right. <laughs> I chuckled, though it sounded hollow, even to me. The universe just wants to make sure we're really committed. But beneath the surface, our concern and fear remained. A roiling sea threatening to spill over at any moment. As night fell, the darkness outside the car grew thicker an oppressive blanket smothering any lingering hope. Nancy stretched out in the back seat. Her body sprawled across the leather while I reclined in the passenger seat. Exhaustion pulled us under, heavy eyelids fluttering closed despite the lingering dread. The silence of the night was unsettling, punctuated only by the eerie creaks and groans of the car as it settled into the cold embrace of the snow. It felt as though the darkness itself was pressing against the windows, a suffocating, malevolent force waiting for the perfect moment to strike. I awoke with a start, the hairs on the back of my neck standing on end. A troubled, raspy breathing echoed through the car, sending shivers down my spine. I glanced up at the rearview mirror, expecting to see Nancy tossing and turning in her sleep. I strained my eyes, trying to make out her features in the dim light. And the sound of her breathing was unnerving, a constant reminder of the horrors that seemed to follow us like a shadow. As I stared into the mirror, the world outside our car felt impossibly distant as if we were adrift in an ocean of darkness, far from the safety of solid ground. My heart hammered in my chest as I saw Nancy's wide, unblinking eyes staring back at me through the rearview mirror. Her face was a mask of sheer horror, her mouth slightly agape as if she were struggling to breathe. It felt like a nightmare one from which I desperately wanted to wake. Nancy? I stammered, my voice barely above a whisper, yet it echoed through the frigid car. She didn't respond, her gaze unwavering and locked onto something just behind me. My blood ran cold as her eyes darted to her right for a split second before returning to that unblinking stare. Terror coiled around my spine as I forced myself to lean left, cautiously angling myself to see more of the back seat through the rearview mirror. The breath caught in my throat, choking me with fear as the same pale, 
emaciated figure we had spotted on the road materialized beside Nancy. Its skin stretched over its skeletal frame, and its eyes were sealed shut as if sewn together. Its visage was so strange and disturbing that it seemed almost from another realm. The creature sat there, wheezing with slow, labored breaths that sent icy tendrils of dread down my spine. I wanted to scream at her not to speak, to remember the story of the Awaker and how speaking to it would only bring terror and pain. But the words died in my throat, strangled by fear as I watched Nancy open her mouth, forming a question that should never be asked. Who are you? The instant the words left her lips, the creature's eyes ripped open, revealing the darkest black I had ever seen. It pierced my soul, fixating its chilling gaze on me through the mirror. An involuntary gasp escaped my lips, my fingers digging into the armrest. I felt as if my heart would shatter in my chest. In a horrifying swift motion, the creature lunged at Nancy, its bony hand gripping her leg with such force that the crack of bone echoed through the car. Nancy's scream was a gut-wrenching sound that tore at my insides, leaving me feeling helpless and broken. The thing wrenched open the car door, the force sending a spray of snow and ice into the confined space. With ungodly strength, it dragged her out into the dark, snowy night, her cries for help fading into the relentless wind. I screamed, adrenaline pumping through my veins as I fumbled with the seatbelt. But it was too late. The door slammed shut with a violent finality, leaving me alone in the silent car. My breaths coming in ragged gasps. I had failed her. And now... I was left with nothing but the cold, unforgiving darkness, and the echoes of her screams haunting the recesses of my mind. With every ounce of strength I could muster, I tore out of the car and stumbled into the snowy void, my lungs burning from the frigid air. The bloody trail left by Nancy's mangled leg marred the otherwise pristine snow. Please, please. I choked out between ragged breaths as I sprinted after them, legs threatening to give way beneath me. Please, please don't take her. The world around me seemed to close in as I raced through the dark forest, my heart pounding in my ears. It felt like the very trees were mocking me, their skeletal branches reaching out to ensnare me in their icy grasp. Nancy's screams pierced the silent night, but gradually grew fainter, dissolving into the howling wind that threatened to swallow me whole. Desperation clawed at my insides, ripping me apart as I pushed myself beyond my limits. But it wasn't enough. My legs finally gave out, sending me crashing to my knees in the snow. As I knelt there, gasping for air, the horrifying realization hit me. This was exactly how I'd found Greg that fateful night at the cabin. Whimpering and broken. God, no. God, no. I whispered to myself, trembling uncontrollably. Not her too. Please. 
and the oppressive darkness of the forest closed in on me. Each tree an accusing figure bathed in shadow. My chest tightened, heavy with the weight of guilt, regret, and hopelessness. I sobbed, tears streaming down my face and freezing on my cheeks. I'll do... I'll do anything. Just give her back to me. (laughs) But the forest offered no solace. No answers. Only the relentless cold that seeped into my bones. My once adventurous spirit now lay shattered replaced by a gnawing terror that consumed me whole. Please. I begged the darkness, my voice barely a whisper. I can't lose her too. As Nancy's final scream echoed through the night and faded into nothingness, I was left to face the silent, unforgiving forest alone. My life irrevocably changed by the nightmare that had stolen everything from me. A year had passed since that nightmarish evening when I'd lost Nancy to the clutches of the Awaker. Every day had been a struggle filled with unanswered questions and the relentless pursuit of any information that might lead me to her. I sat on the edge of our bed, my hands trembling as I clutched a tattered photo of us. A happier time before we'd ever encountered the horrors that plagued our lives. My eyes were bloodshot from countless sleepless nights, my heart heavy with the burden of loss but I refused to give up. I couldn't let her go. Please, Nancy. I whispered to the empty room, my voice cracking with emotion. Just give me a sign, anything. But as always, there was no answer. Only the oppressive silence that had become my constant companion. I knew that I couldn't continue like this, the endless searching, the crippling fear, the gnawing desperation that clawed at my insides. It was killing me. Come back for me. I said, more to the darkness than to anyone in particular. Take me where you took her. I need to see her again. As I uttered those words, I shuddered at the thought of willingly inviting the Awaker into my life once more. Yet, it felt like my only option. In the quiet of the night, with the moon casting eerie shadows across our bedroom, I lay down on the bed and closed my eyes. Sleep had become a treacherous landscape, haunted by the memories of that fateful night and the unknown fate of my beloved wife. But I needed answers. I needed closure. Please, I murmured, drifting off into an uneasy slumber. Show yourself. The world around me faded, and I found myself wandering the endless corridors of my dreams. Each one promising a fleeting glimpse of Nancy only to vanish like smoke the moment I reached out. It was a cruel, torturous game that left me feeling more lost and alone than ever. Where are you? Where are you? I cried, my voice echoing in the darkness. I will speak to you, Awaker. Awaker. Just bring her back to me. But even as I shouted, I knew there would be no response. Not tonight, at least. The darkness of my dreams seemed to close in on me, suffocating me 
with its oppressive weight. But beneath the fear, there was something else. A steely determination that had taken root within my heart. Bring her back. I whispered as the world around me began to fade. No matter what it takes, I will find her. And as I awoke to another day filled with uncertainty and pain, I clung to that single burning thought that somehow, some way, Nancy and I would be reunited and the nightmare that had consumed our lives would finally come to an end. commonly referred to as Boogeyman, is known as many things in many different places. It appears that they are related in a way similar to the canid family. While there is a wide variety of dogs descending from wolves that come in different colors, sizes, and temperament, their DNA is basically the same, except for a small number of genes that account for all their different phenotypes. This is the ongoing theory with RBP-1024, but as of yet, the Bureau has been unsuccessful at capturing one. While each one seems to have its own preferences in behavior and victim type, all seem to share a hunger for humans that's preceded by psychological or physical torture on the victim or victims. These entities are classified as threat-level lethal, and it seems the Bureau's interest in them is purely research-related. They have no intent on stopping these things, as they are currently categorized as a natural phenomenon and knowledge of them is widespread and largely unbelieved. So, intervention is not deemed necessary. At the time of this report, Tyler Dembski is still being observed in the hopes that he will lead them to the entity. The carved symbols have also been studied extensively, with the initial theory that they could be used to weaponize the creature. It seems, however, that they are just a form of this particular entity's psychological torment. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.